Welcome to the Travel Therapy Mentor Podcast, your number one source for travel therapy information and education, hosted by travel physical therapist duo Jared and Whitney. Join us every other week on Facebook Live to learn about a new travel therapy topic or listen to the replay right here on our podcast. If you're new to travel therapy and ready to get started, contact us to get connected with the travel therapy recruiters and companies we recommend by visiting TravelTherapyMentor.com slash recruiters. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com slash recruiters. If you're ready to remove the guesswork and jumpstart your travel therapy career, let us teach you step-by-step everything you need to know to get started and to be financially successful as a traveler by enrolling in our comprehensive travel therapy course titled Becoming a Financially Successful Travel Therapist. You can visit TravelTherapyMentor.com course and use the discount code TRAVEL to save $150 on our course. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com course and the discount code is TRAVEL. And if you're looking for the best way to get your CEUs online as a traveler who's always on the go, you can use our discount code to get the best rate on an annual MedBridge subscription, which is where we get all of our online CEUs. Use code FIFTHWHEELPT, that's F-I-F-T-H-W-H-E-E-L-P-T, for the discount, all one word. And last, if you're interested in getting started with credit card hacking to take advantage of free or low-cost travel like we do, check out our top credit card recommendations for travelers at TravelTherapyMentor.com credit. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com credit. All right, and now on to this week's episode. Hey everyone. Hey guys. Welcome to another Travel Therapy Mentor video. Tonight we're going to be talking about student loans for travelers as well as just general financial planning. Um, you know, this is something I've written about for years and years now, and it's great to have a guest on here that also knows a ton about student loans and financial planning, and hopefully you can give us some insight and uh, help out current and future travelers uh, make smart, decision about, smart decisions about their own finances. So I'm going to share this video in a few different groups and Whitney's gonna introduce us and then also the guest. All right, hey guys, for those that may not know us, my name is Whitney Aiken. And I'm Jared Cazazzo. And we're both traveling doctors of physical therapy. We're the faces behind Travel Therapy Mentor and we've been travel PTs for about eight years now. Jared has a big finance for, uh, or I'm sorry, a big passion for finance. And over the years, he's written a lot about finance. Um, and we had the pleasure of meeting Joe Ranke, um, who owns a company called Fitbox. And um, his wife happens to be a PT. So Joe and Jared like to nerd out quite often about finance topics. Um, they've actually done a couple interviews in the past, but it's been a while since we've had him on our channel. Um, so we wanted to bring you guys some new information about student loans, about finance. Um, there's a lot of questions out there right now about student loan pause. So um, I'd like to welcome Joe Ranke to our channel and I'll let him introduce himself. Yeah, uh, thanks for ha uh, having me. Uh, it's excited to be back. It, it has been a while. Um, a lot has happened over the last two, three years, um, both with student loans, finance, mortgages going crazy, uh, stock market going crazy um, with our company, just building out more and more of our technology and stuff. So a, a lot has happened since student loans have been on on repayment pause. Um, as Whitney said, you know, we started this company, I want to say six, seven years ago. We started off with PTs because, as she said, my wife's a PT, so. We would help well over 10,000 PTs. Um, I mean, we remember a partner with the APTA now. Um, we're actually doing a lot of stuff. I'll mention it probably a little bit later on where we're actually going doing uh, some finance curriculum for some of the universities and stuff. So 
Uh, if you're in school still, you might actually be seeing us at your university soon uh, in your program. Um, and then, of course, the traveler stuff, just because we we work with so many PTs, we work with a lot of travelers, too. So I've gotten the honor of learning the travel industry inside and out also in terms of from the financial perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's been a, it's been a fun journey. What are your credentials, Joe? Um, I'm a CFA charter holder. Um, ba- basically what that is, is it's considered like a postdoctorate in finance, the way it looks like from the industry and investments and stuff. So my background is primarily in investments. Um, and the CFA, what that is, is it's a, it's a series of three exams. Uh, each one is six hours long. Um, and you can only take one a year and it has to be done concurrently. So like, if you don't pass, you're not taking another one for another year. And so there's about the pass rates, about 3%, about a hundred thousand of us, about a hundred, 120,000 of us in the world wow. um, combined. So here in America, you don't hear about us very often because most of the time we're working on like multi-billion dollar funds. Um, that's why every, all my colleagues are like, why'd you start a company? You could just be doing this. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's boring. Um, <laughs> It's like so, but overseas it's actually crazy because you go to places like China and some places in Europe, and the, the CFAs really like they know a lot about it because they all want to get it because they think that it guarantees them a job on Wall Street. So they're trying to get over here to work. So like they know about it a lot, but here, you know, you go out to the general public, say I'm a CFA charter holder, most people are like, "What was that?" It's like, yeah, because most of the time we're behind the scenes dealing with hedge funds and wall street stuff and yeah yeah it's uh, it's fun (laughs) so if anybody in the in the live stream right now if you're watching live if you have any questions feel free to ask those we'll try to go through questions at the end um but yeah let's start talking about student loans um student loans have been paused now for almost three years which uh i mean i don't think anybody would have guessed that it would be this long um how many times has it been extended now (laughs) (laughs) 10 10 or 11. yeah Yeah, so ridiculous it's been completely crazy, um, but so basically, what that means for anybody that isn't aware, pretty much anybody who has student loans that they're required to be paying. If you're a clinician at this point, you already know that the student loans have been paused. But say you're a new grad or you're a student that your student uh, loans haven't gone into repayment yet. Just so you're aware, um, back in 2020 with COVID, they put a pause on anybody having to pay student loans. Federal student loans. Federal student loans, not private. Um, but so basically anybody who has federal student loans for the last three years has not been having to make payments. And then if I'm correct, Joe, is that they also haven't been having to have interest accrue, right? Like there's no, that's right. no payments, no interest. That's correct. Yeah. So that's pretty crazy. So, um, and the other cool thing for those of us like Jared and I that are on income driven repayment plans is this time period actually counts towards your income driven repayment plan. Um, the 20 or 25 years, which we'll get into talking a little bit more about. But it's been an interesting time. It's been beneficial for a lot of people, but it just raises a lot of questions for people like, what should I be doing with my money at this time? Like, should I be paying my student loans? Should I be investing? Should I be refinancing and paying them off? So um, we'll tell you a little bit about what we've been doing. And then we'd love to know from Joe, like how he's been advising people. Yeah. Well, first, how long do you think the pause is going to continue? I mean, it just seems like it keeps getting extended um seems like no one really wants to put it back in repayment because obviously that's going to make a lot of enemies if you're a politician that is the one pushing for that so i mean where do you see the outcome of this being yeah so if we backtrack to 2020 it initially got 
deferred and delayed and postponed as part of the CARES Act. And that actually expired in September of 2020. And what happened was, is that President Trump didn't want them to restart right before the election because he knew it would be bad for basically his reelection effort. So he did it by executive action. And at that time, Nancy Pelosi was actually going to sue him to stop it until she got the survey results back and realized, like, if we do that, it's going to look bad for us. So they let it go through. And then once President Biden took office, it just keeps getting deferred, deferred, deferred. And so back what I what I looked at in September of 2020, <clears throat> um, I kind of did this analysis and realized that Trump was not going to win reelection. And my thesis was as long as a Democrat is in office, we won't see it restarted because you have to understand what their goal is. Their goal isn't fair student loans or anything like that. Their goal is free education. And so this is a backdoor way of doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, free education and obviously getting reelected. And when you go against what most of your base or like a large portion of your base wants, that makes reelection hard. So, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's really hard for a Democratic politician to push for payments going back into uh, into effect when we're talking about student loan forgiveness forever now. Yeah. And so because of that, I mean, there was a time at the end of 2021 where they were just like, yeah, we're definitely restarting this. And we're like, yeah, we thought it was going to restart. I was going to be shocked. And then a week later, they came back and said, nope, we're not doing it. And so right now is probably the, the, I would say the highest probability that I've put on it since they did this in 2020, that they're going to restart this year. Okay. Uh, and I believe it's either going to be between June and September if they start them this year. Okay. And the reason why we say that is because this last time they extended it, President Biden said that loans were going to restart 60 days after the Supreme Court makes their decision about the $10,000 in loan forgiveness. <clears throat> Most of the time, they don't make those decisions to the end of the Supreme Court term, which is in June. And so that would put repayments starting in September. But then we had a curveball thrown in there. And President Biden said that he was going to end the COVID emergency declaration on May 11th which if that's the case, the only reason why they can extend these is because of the COVID emergency declaration, which means it starts 30 days after that. And so after he came out and said that on TV, then like all the newspapers put that out and the Biden administration, like the next day was like, oh shit, like, what did we say? Like, and now they're like, well, that doesn't mean just because we end this doesn't mean that we can't extend it. And it's like, well, actually, yeah, it does. <laughs> so now there's going to be lawsuits and stuff. So, we think it's going to be in that time frame, June 2023 to September 2023. But if they do extend it again, I expect lawsuits coming in and then it would probably get kickstarted in 2024. But that's also election year. So do Republicans want to be suing for, you know, so that's where it's it gets into this whole political game. And but as of right now, I would say is this is that the highest probability I'd put on it to starting sometime this year. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I think that's probably right. I mean, you can't keep balloons falls forever, um, but the longer it goes on, the harder it is to restart. And all the politicians know that um, because people are becoming dependent on not making these payments. And now suddenly three years later to say like, all right, you got to make the payments again suddenly. Um, I don't know, it's, it's hard to imagine 
a situation where they do that. But I mean, it's also very hard to imagine this continues indefinitely. So it's like something has to happen that seems unlikely. So where do you think, um, you know, with it, with that in mind, like, where do you think that $10,000 or more of loan forgiveness comes to play? Like, do you think they're going to use that as like a bargaining chip to like restart it? Or how do you think that's going to work? No, I, I think that's going to be off the table. I, I don't ever think that President Biden ever thought it was going to go through. I, it's more of an election ploy right before the election to get people turned out. Um, and it worked. Um, but any lawyer that I've talked to is like, yeah, it's really highly illegal. The only way it can stand is somebody doesn't have standing in court, which is a whole different like legal issue. Hmm. But by and of itself, it was highly illegal. I mean, it flat out says the person has to be burdened by the emergency. And no one's been burdened because student loans haven't had repayment and there's no interest on it. So no one's in a worse situation with their student loans than prior to COVID. Like everybody's in the same or a better situation. So you can't make that argument in court. Um, okay. I think what they're, you know, somebody that I know on in Washington, D.C. said that they think that President Biden is going to hold this because there's another debt ceiling fight coming up. I think it's in September. And so he's all, he knows that they need to start repayment and they need to give something because they need to balance like the debt. And so that's what he's going to give Republicans is, Oh, well, we'll restart student loans. If you give us blah, 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 blah. So they think they're going to use it as a, as a negotiating tactic. We'll yeah. see on that. To me, the bigger news is what he's going to do with revised pay as you earn and those changes there, because that's basically free education, especially for undergrads that make less than like 40 or 50 grand a year, which is about 60 percent of people with an undergrad. It basically amounts to free education with their the changes that they're making. So which I'm yeah. sure we'll talk about. But that's yeah, that's the big news is that. And I think that's going to get challenged in court also. Um, yeah, let's talk about that um, here in a little while, because I definitely want to know more about that, because that's really pertinent to us. But um, just going back to the fact that they are paused right now, <clears throat> for those of you guys that may not be as familiar with mine and Jared's situation, we'll just tell you a little bit about what we're doing with our loans and what we have been doing since we graduated almost eight years ago um, and kind of the strategies that we've used. And then we'll have Joe tell us, you know, some different strategies that other therapists are using and what he's advising them on. Yeah. So what we've decided to do, I wrote a lot about this back in like 2015, uh, 16, 17, that time period. Um, we want to repay, uh, as any traveler in here knows, your adjusted gross income is pretty low, which is how um, student loan payments are calculated. And repay has the interest subsidy that can be very beneficial to travelers because um, whatever amount would have been, uh, I guess, added to your student loan balance from interest, half of that is subsidized. Um, if so for those that aren't familiar with what repay is, what Jared means is that we are on an income-driven repayment plan. Because again, I know there's some of you guys in here that are students, that are new guys, that you're just not familiar with all this stuff. So um, as an overview, we are on an income-driven repayment plan. We chose not to pay back our loans um, early on. A lot of people in travel therapy do choose to use travel therapy to aggressively pay off their loans very quickly. But um, a long time ago, before we graduated, around like, we graduated in 2015, but in 2014, Jared ran some calculations back before we knew about Fitbucks, um, back before we knew about their software, Jared just like used spreadsheets to basically run the numbers and come up with some, you know, what he thought would be a good strategy. And so basically we decided to go on an income driven repayment plan and not pay back our loans. And we were doing that all along back when we were having to pay our student, student loans from 2015 to 2020. And then when COVID hit and the student loan pause happened, we're still on the income driven repayment plan, more specifically the repay plan. Yeah. And essentially the reason going yeah. that way is if you take 
what is the the amount of interest accumulating after the subsidy and compare that to what average stock market returns are over time um i you know i just made the um i guess gamble uh pretty high probability gamble that uh investment returns will be better than paying off the debt over you know a 20-year period and with the potential of having forgiveness at the end is also awesome so we've just chosen to invest instead and uh and now we're eight years in meaning we just take all that extra money every month instead of paying it to our student loans we put it into our own investments so we're basically paying ourselves now and worrying about the student loans later um, at the end of the forgiveness period. So that's what we've chosen to do all along. Well, it's actually turned out really well for us and it's definitely been beneficial while they haven't been in repayment because we've had zero dollar payment and we've had zero interest. So we've been able to put even more money into investments um, and into savings during this pause and it still counts towards our 25 year period of forgiveness. So it's been really nice for us. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, what during this pause, three years now, what have you been advising people to do? I mean, obviously this is context specific. It depends on your situation, but um, have you been telling people to continue making payments just like there is no pause, at least people with federal loans or, you know, save it in a savings account or invest the money? What, what has your advice been? Well, it, it really depends on what they're doing. Okay. So like Whitney, you're talking about like you guys are on the income driven repayment plan. So those of you that don't know, there's actually nine different federal repayment options. Okay. And so what we do is we break those down into two categories. Either you're going to go pay off your loans or you're going to do some type of loan forgiveness, which is the income driven repayment plans that you guys are on. Okay. And so that's the first decision because you got to understand that first. So if you're doing a, a payoff strategy where you're trying to get out of your debt as fast as you can, right now there's no interest on, on the loans. So it's not hurting you if it's just sitting there. So we've been telling everybody just save the money as though, you're making the payments, but put it in your own bank account, especially now, because you can get four to 5% of, of interest on, on your money in the bank account now. But we were primarily telling people that because you don't know what's going to happen to your personal situation. Um, like I just talked to somebody the other day that I talked to back in 2020. And at that time, all he had was student loans. So he's just been saving like we, like we told him to. But at the same time, he ended up getting married. They got a kid. Now he's got a car loan. So it's like, okay, well, instead of paying off the student loans first, like go target that car loan, like get that out of the way because it's a higher interest rate. Like it's, it's killing your budget, get that out. So that way when the student loan repayment starts, you're not scrapped, you know, just budget wise. And so just saving allows you that flexibility if you're paying off your student loans. And then once they restart, if your strategy is to still pay it off, write a big check, there you go. Okay. Loan forgiveness. When you're going for loan forgiveness, you're always trying to save as much as you can, especially for the tax at the end of it. That's the big thing. Okay. So those of you that don't know, you get your loans forgiven, but you have to claim it as income. Okay. And that tax year. So that you got to pay taxes on it. So you're trying to save a lot of money, pay the tax and have a lot of money left over. And so for anybody on an income driven payment plan, your strategy doesn't really change because you're saving anyways. So now you just have more to save because you don't have a monthly payment. So just keep saving as much as you can. And so those are the two ways that people have been attacking this. And honestly, a lot of people are actually getting fed up because they're just like, we start getting ready to make payments. <laughs> like, and then they, then they extend it again. It's like, I know. So a lot of people are getting frustrated. And they're like, we just want to pay this. Like, let's just go. And so, uh, but those are the two strategies. And that's what we've been doing during this whole repayment pause. 
Yeah. So with that in mind, I mean, has it been a good idea? Like, have you told anybody to just go ahead and start like making a bunch of payments now, like trying to pay it off, even though it's not required? Is that a good strategy well, for anybody? Well, or What he's saying is uh, right now there's no interest accumulating. So if you can keep that money in your own savings account, earn a little bit of interest, you have a lot more optionality that way. So it's yeah. really not a good idea just to pay them off right now. So from a pure financial standpoint, you're better off keeping the cash in the bank. But we've had a lot of people because keep in mind, this has been going on for three years. So, I mean, we've talked to some people that have accumulated 50, 60, 70, $80,000 and they come back and do one of two things. They're like, look, I can literally write a check now and pay off my entire loans. I just don't want to see this anymore. And they'll write a check and pay them off. We've also had some people come back to us and be like, there's $50,000 in my bank account. Like I, I'm having problems not spending this money and using it. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like, okay, well then go ahead and make a payment. Then they're like, fantastic. And they just pay it because it's just, a, it's a behavioral thing at that point. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I wonder, cause like when people ask Jared and I about it, um, some people are like, oh, doesn't it make you worried? And doesn't it make you nervous? And you don't know about this. And there's all these variables. And that's when we try to explain to them. It's like, for some people, debt and finances is like very emotional and it's, it's not strictly financial and mathematical. For us, we're not really worried about it because we're just looking at the finances and the math of it. But like you said, for some people, it just feels so much better just to pay it off. Yeah. Well, that, that's why it's actually funny because we have this technology out mm -hmm. for the financial planning stuff and, you know, people are, are paying for it. And we get the comments all the time. Like, I love the technology, but we also have coaches that you talk to. And so people are oftentimes are like, I just want to like call being able to call you guys every three or six months and be like, are you sure I'm doing the right thing? All right, I am good. I don't walking back off the cliff right it's like yeah you're doing fine like just keep going um so yeah it's that we we get that a lot i know what you're saying because people are just like am i doing this right am i doing this right it's like yeah you're, you're doing good right. <laughs> yeah and i mean even for me like i'm one of the more analytical people i know so you know like finance a lot of times it's either emotional people that would just want to not have debt they want to feel good about the situation and then there's analytical people that run the, the calculations determine what's best financially but even for me uh, there was several times in the first like two or three years where I was like, am I really doing the right thing? Maybe we should just pay it off. And every time I'd have to go back and like, instead of talking to a person, I'm like looking at the spreadsheet again. I'm like, all right, I know this is right. We just have to keep doing this. Yeah, um, I'm right there with you. I, I, I remember, you know, back in my investment days, it's like you sit there and I, I would research a, a stock for two to three months in the industry before I pulled the trigger on something. And then you go to, you go to make the trade and you make it and you're like, did I, you know, did I overlook something? Like, yep. did I do this? And, and with trading, it's really hard. I'll never forget this. One of my, my professors was like, as soon as you start trading real money, you're going to lose like 10%, 20%. Everything's going to go down right away before it goes up. Sure enough, that's what happened. My account was down like 15%. And it took everything in my power not to sell. And I mean, it worked out. I mean, everything skyrocketed after that. But it was just like, oh, shit, did I overlook something? Like, Yeah. Scary. So you mean? <laughs> yep. So, um, with the same questions in mind about like what people should be doing during the pause, um, are there a lot? Are there any people that you think it makes sense for them to just go ahead and refinance and pay it off right now while it's paused? No, I, I, so if you have private loans, yeah, absolutely refinance. Um, when we first started, the, actually, I shouldn't say first started the pause. Actually, I should, but they said it was going to be like two months. It was like, yeah, just keep refinancing because this thing's only going to be two months and interest rates are low. And so a lot of people refinanced then. Um, and then what ended up happening was in December 2021, 
that Biden administration was like, we're starting these. And so at that point, interest rates were still low also. And so a lot of people were, were that we were working with were like, we're going to refinance because even if they delay this thing another year, because our interest rates are two and a half or 3%, in the long run, I'm still going to save a ton of money. So I'm just going to do this now, even if it's a 0% interest rate for the next 12 months, it doesn't net net, I still save. That's different now. Uh, refinance rates are at like five and a half, six percent And so for a lot of people, it doesn't most of their loans are below that maybe they got some seven percent loans some of the new grads are going to have like close to eight percent loans and so they might want to look at refinancing those but right now while it's a zero percent interest rate it's like this might go on for a long time like keep them for now okay. um, so yeah it's a different interest rate <clears throat> environment where we're at right now so that's why a lot of people are holding off okay yeah so pretty much the only loans you'd ever want to refinance at least until loans go back to repayment or private loans that have a higher interest rate. That's correct. That's correct. So before we move on, uh, we got a lot more to talk about. Um, if anybody is watching live, we would love if you hit the thumbs up button. Um, we'd love if you would leave us a comment, um, whether it's just to say hi, just to say thank you to Joe for his insights, just to say that this has been helpful. Um, but definitely leave a comment if you have any specific questions that we can help you answer that Joe can help you answer while we're live. Um, at the end of the video, we'll go through all the comments and answer any questions that you have. Yep. So we mentioned the new repay plan, and that's something I'm really interested in because, like you said, I really think this is kind of a, it's definitely a step towards free education and uh, definitely for undergrad students. But I also feel like this is extremely beneficial for travelers. Anybody that has a low uh, adjusted gross income, even though you don't get all the benefits that an undergrad student would, um, it still seems really beneficial. So uh, what do you think about the new repay plan? Do you think it'll actually happen? Um, when do you think it would happen? And, uh, you know, just maybe talk about what the changes actually are. Yeah. Tell us first, like what it is for those of us that don't really know what it is. <laughs> Jared's explained it to me. I'll no explain less. what it is. And then I'll go through the good, the bad and the real ugly. Yeah. Cause Jared's uh, explained it to me no less than five times. And I still don't really understand. Yeah. Yeah. So with revised pay as you earn, when you make a payment it's based as a percentage of your income. Okay. Right now, is this number called 10% of adjusted gross income. Okay. And then it, what ends up happening though, is let's just say your monthly payments like $400, but you're actually charged, let's just say $900 of interest. That money that you're not paying on a typical loan forgiveness plan gets added to your loan balance and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. Okay. On old repay, let's call it that interest has a 50% subsidy meaning the government forgives 50 percent of whatever you don't pay every month okay and then after 25 years whatever you don't owe anymore it just gets forgiven and you owe a tax on it um now the way old repaid work though for like if you're married your payments were based on dual incomes it didn't matter how you file your taxes okay so that's the way old repay worked new repay or the proposed changes there's a number of different things that would drop your required monthly payment significantly. So I know a lot of you have graduate degrees. So right now that's 10% of your income, but they're dropping it for undergrad down to 5%. So if you have undergrad loans and grad loans, it's going to be a blended rate of those two. So that's going to drop your monthly payment relative to the old version. So that's one change, but the, the biggest change, is what they call the poverty line deduction. Okay, so 
I'm going to use round numbers. Let's just say you make a hundred grand in income a year as gross income. Okay. They don't take 10% of that number for your monthly payment. What they do is they say, well, what about your 401k contributions? What about any pre-tax retirement, pre-tax to HSAs, all these different accounts. And so they reduce that number. Now, one of the things they reduce it by is the poverty line. Okay. And so let's just say I'm single and it's like $15,000 right now is the poverty line. Let's say, actually, I'll make this round numbers. Let's say it's $14,000. Um, they take 1.5 times that. And so in my example, $21,000 and they reduce your income by 21,000. And then they base the 10% on that. Okay. They're changing that number to 2.5 times. So that now goes up from $14,000, like a $21,000 deduction up to like a 35 or $36,000 deduction. So anybody that makes $36,000 or less will have a $0 payment, okay? And even at $60,000 because of the other changes, your payment is gonna be like 50 to $100 a month. And if you're married and you have kids, it can go up to like $68,000 of income and you pay nothing. Um, and so it, it drops, bottom line is, is it drops the repayment drastically, okay? So that is the, the good part of it. Um, this part where you still need to analyze it though compared to your other options like your other options are pay as you earn or, or this other program called new ibr is that those programs are 20 years okay repay is 25 years so if you're in a normal type of job like let's just say you're a staff pt based on a two or three percent earnings increase your income might be so high in years 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, that everything you save the first 20 years are just going to get negated that last five years. Therefore, you should still be better off and pay as you earn. And so in our, in our, we've already updated all of our calculators to have all this stuff in there and everything. So what we've seen with most PTs is that pay as you earn actually is better net net, where it actually comes out to being a traveler, like in your guys's case, I know like you guys want to stay traveling. Well, if you stay traveling for all 25 years and your take-home pay is only like your salary, your taxable income is only 40 grand, your payment might be $0 for 25 years. Yeah, which it has been for us. Yeah, so that's the analysis that travelers have to do is, am I going to stay traveling or am I only going to travel for like two years? And then what happens after that? Am I still better off going on repay or not? Or am I going to travel for four years or five years or six years? So that's the analysis that all travelers have to do. Okay. Yeah. So that's a question I get all the time is, okay, they read an article I wrote about repay and they're like, okay, that makes sense while I'm traveling. But what about when I stop traveling? My advice has always been, okay, well, if repay makes sense while you're traveling, do that and then reevaluate once you stop. Because like for us, for example, we thought we wouldn't travel more than maybe three or five years. Now we're at eight years. We're still doing it. So you don't know how long it's going to be. Really, you, you might have a plan, but it could change. So um, I know that at least um, for the last eight years or so, you could switch freely between programs. But now if they're getting rid of pay as you earn, um, then I guess now you really have to decide, like, either that you're going to be stuck in repay or maybe go pay as you earn. That is where the ugly comes in is yep. that's one thing, but I'm going to talk about broader, like ugly. And I'm going to summarize this because I, I literally did a podcast on this and it was like a 45 minute podcast to go into the details of this. So, um, 
the ugly on this. So when we talk about the standard repayment plans, I mentioned to you guys, there's like nine repayment plans. So like the standard plan, the extended plan, the graduated plan, income-based repayment, uh, old, old income-based repayment, new income-based repayment, income contingent repayment. The thing that's common with all those is that Congress passed all of them. So in order to change them, it needs a super majority of Congress to pass that law. And so when those th things become law, they're not changing, basically. They're, there's no way. They, that's why there's so many of them, because instead of trying to change the old ones, it's easier for a new Congress just to write a brand new one and come out with a new one. Yeah. Okay? And they are then they just grandfather people in. Well, with pay as you earn and revised pay as you earn, they were not written by Congress. Okay, President Obama put them in and he could not get them passed by Congress. So he had this little old saying, right? I got a pen and piece of paper. I mean, I don't need them. So he did them by executive action. And so we still used to say, like, the probability of them changing this is still really small because you can't just change a loan. But when you look at the loan docs, none of the details are actually in the loan docs. It says approximately 10% of gross AGI, approximately this, ten, like uh, as estimated to this, is very vague in the report, which is never good in legal terms because they can change that. Vagueness is not good in legal stuff. And what Biden is doing by changing this sets a precedence that any president can change this because it's an executive action. So there's nothing stopping a president in the future coming in and saying, well, I don't like that rebate program. You can't be on it anymore. I'm going to change it to this. And everybody has to go on that the same way Biden just did. And so now people are like, well, what's the probability of that happening? Once this is in place, is the government going to change it to make it worse? That would be, look really bad if somebody's trying to be a politician and getting elected, right, as a president. But you never know, right? Like you have a situation coming up in 2024 that if President Trump runs again and wins, he's not running for a second term. He's not going to care. Biden, yeah. Yeah. So no, I'm talking about Trump is going to run in second. Oh, Trump. Term. So if he yeah, says, oh, I got you, this, I got you, yeah. He's like, he might say, screw this. I'm changing this to 30% of your adjusted gross income and I'm dropping it down to no poverty line and I'm going to change it from 25 years to 15. Like you could change whatever you want to because Biden just changed whatever he wanted to. So that's the, the quote unquote ugly side. I tell people like, don't panic about that, but know about it. So that yeah. way you, you can build a plan around what we have right now, but you're prepared for the worst case scenario. And the way you prepare is do like what you guys did where you're saving the money. And you're not just blowing it on stuff that you can't afford. So if you're going to go on that, save it. Now, to end that, that question, too, because you guys asked, like, is it going to go into place and all that type of stuff? It's going through its comment period, which most of the time when something goes through a comment period, it's becoming law. Um, it's, it's there. It's, it's there. It's, it's no question that. Some Republicans have brought up suing because it's like this is, in their opinion, illegal because – it's like Congress never did this and these plans should never have been in place to begin with. We'll yeah. see where that all goes. Um, but as of right now, we're like I said, we wouldn't have changed our technology if we didn't think it was going through. So as of July 1st, it's, in our opinion, going to go through. Yeah, um, so that makes sense. Yeah, so that's mostly what we're working on right now with people is deciding should you be on pay as you earn or repay um because they got to make the decision before july no matter what happens with the repayment like if they say pay as you earn is better for me they have to enter repayment 
in May, like before in June, before this thing hits. Um, so that's what we're doing a lot of right now. The other big thing on that too, because this will affect you guys and anybody else that's married, is before they used to only base it on joint income no matter what. Now you can actually file separately and it's only based on your income, which for a lot of people, um, that's going to be a drastic difference in terms of their monthly payment. And like we're rolling out a separate service that allows people to like take advantage of some of the tax loopholes on that type of stuff. And some of the stuff that we've tested it on, people are going to save between five and 10 grand a year, like taking advantage of some of these loopholes in that new uh, repay program. So, so, and I, I know the old repay or the current repay, I guess you, if you were married, because that was one of the questions we had, Marriage, you had to take both incomes into account. And then now with the new repay, they're going to be doing it more like pay as you earn, where if you file separate, then it's separate. Yep. Okay. That is the new one. That is the new one. So, yeah. And we're, like I said, there's some tax loopholes in there too, where you can reclassify your tax returns and everything. Like, and so that's the service that we're looking into, just some of the legal, like things that we need to finalize on it. Cause that's one of the biggest questions that we get. Should we file separately or jointly? And it's like, yeah, it's and if you do it right, like I said, you can save a ton of money. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's uh, when I first started writing about um, the plan that I had, like, oh, we'll just make minimum payments. We'll go for forgiveness, invest instead. Like a lot of the pushback I got was what if forgiveness ever happens or what if they take these plans away? So it's good that you mentioned that. Um, and I think you're right saying that, like, normally you don't make payments neg or you don't make changes that are negative to the, the people that are already on the program because that causes a lot of upheaval. Normally, if there's changes, it's in the positive direction. But with an executive action with someone that doesn't have anything to lose, then that's always a possibility. So it's kind of one of those situations where you probably hope for the best and plan for the worst because uh, you never know what's going to happen. That's correct. So that's why we say save. You know, I, I just one piece of word of advice before we go on to the next piece, just on these income journey payment plans. We see a lot of people, the only reason why they go on them is for the low monthly payment so they can buy a house. And so then they're still living paycheck to paycheck. That, that's still not a good thing. Like you got to have a strategy around these so that way you can put yourself in a good situation. Um, so that's one of the big problems we see. Yeah. So you said um, that for right now, people do need to actually go into their accounts and pick which repayment plan they want to be on for whenever it goes active. Like they need to do that beforehand. So after July 1st, um, if you borrowed money, any money between 2007 and 2014, you cannot go on to pay as you earn. It will no longer be a choice. And so people that borrowed during that time, they will have to decide if they want to go on pay as you earn or go on to revise pay as you earn. And if they decide pay as you earn, the way Biden wrote the law is if you're in repayment, you can still go on, you can stay on pay as you earn, but no one's in repayment right now. They're all on forbearance. Hmm. So if you decide pay as you earn and student loans still haven't started, you got to call up your loan servicer and say, I want to enter repayment and put me on the pay as you earn. Okay. And so you can start payments. And then once you're on the program, they can't kick you off. But come July 1st, let's just say student loan repayment doesn't start till September. And come July 1st, or come September, you're like, okay, I'm ready to go on pay as you earn. Nope. Okay. Yeah, you're not going on pay as you earn. So just for that particular plan, but like if somebody wanted to be on repay or they were just planning on paying them off. Then they don't have to do anything. That's okay. correct. That is correct. Okay. 
Okay. So now's the time to decide which plan you want to be on. And if it is re or pay as you are, and then you need to get on that as soon as possible before loans go back into repayment. Yep. Yeah. And um, just so you guys who are watching know, you know, we're gonna talk about this a little bit at the end, like what Fitbox offers and all that. But if you're sitting here, like, I have no idea how to decide, that's definitely something they can help you with, um, as we've alluded to, but we'll chat about that a little at the end. Yep. Okay. So assuming that it goes back into repayment, um, this summer or this fall, um, what advice do you have for travel therapists? And you kind of already covered this, but, um, what do you think they should do? Um, set up a call with you and talk through the different strategies, like what tends to be the best advice for most travelers? Yeah. And this question comes from, uh, you know, we chose to go on income driven repayment plan, uh, repay seems to make the most sense for us. Some people are not that way. Some people want to pay it off as soon as possible. In which case, does it make sense to refinance those types of questions? Yeah, my, my number one thing is use travel and the stipend and everything to your advantage, one way or the other. And the biggest problem I see with travelers, and you guys have probably run into this with a lot of people that you've met, is they go into travel, they travel for like two to four years, they end up working at a clinic where they're traveling and they really like it. So they like, and they get offered a full-time job and they're like, woohoo, I like it here. So they stop traveling. And all of a sudden, that whole cash flow that they're used to isn't there anymore. And they never planned. They never saved any of their money. They they were spending a ton of money when they were traveling. And after about six to 12 months of them living paycheck to paycheck, they're like, I can't do this. And then they go back into travel. And then they're like, oh, well, now I'm going to get on top of this for the next three years and get in a better situation. So that doesn't happen to me again. It's like, yeah, prevent that now. Like, start planning now. And so... You know, with some of our technologies, what we do with a lot of travelers is we say, like, if you do want to pay off your loans, well, how much do you pay off in two years? Like, should you travel for four years? So you can like, what's the difference with that? And we can project it in a five year span, 10 year span, 30 year span. So you can see what happens over time. And then you can say, OK, well, what if I just go on loan forgiveness like what you guys did? Or what happens if I want to stay in travel? Like and you can compare the different situations. And then the part that we added to the technology that you know, I haven't shared with you, with you guys is it's not just student loans anymore. Like we can go in and say, well, what happens if I'm getting married here? What's my spouse's income? Or what happens if I want to buy a house? Like, how do I qualify? Can I qualify with this? Or when should I buy that house? Um, what about buying cars? What about children? What about all these other things? We can add in all those different life events. So you can really see, okay, can I do this? Or like travelers a lot of time will buy like an investment property. What if, if, if I buy this investment property, rent it out, blah, blah, blah. We can put all that into the technology now. Um, and so what we tell a lot of people is like, when you're going to need to travel, it's like, what are you doing right now with your student loans? But also how are you taking advantage of like Roth IRAs? What's your game plan there? You're like, are you, are you getting your match? Do you even have a match? Are you then maxing out your Roth? Then what do you do after that? Um, you know, if you're going on IDR, how do you save for the tax? Like, what do you need to start saving? How do you start saving for it? Uh, so that way, because most travelers that we talk to will travel between two and four years. And so it's like, how do you set yourself up? So when you stop traveling, you're in an awesome position. And sometimes that's refinancing the loans. You know, sometimes it's not. I mean, less than uh, I think it's less than 15 percent of people on our platform have refinanced. There's a lot of times it's like, well, I, this whatever they're saving is not enough to give up the federal benefits of the federal loan. So they're like, oh, I'm going to stay there. Um, so that's the big thing with travelers is is not just saying i got all this extra cash right now i'm i'm doing awesome because i'm you know a new grad i'm 27 and i'm 
you know, making a ton of money and this is fantastic. And then three years later, you're 30, you try to, you know, get a full-time job. And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Like I have no money, you know, and, you know, trust me, I talked to a lot of older travelers too, not so much in the PT industry, but more like nurses. And they're like 45 years old and they have no money whatsoever. And like, what, what, what have you been doing? They're like, yeah, we just realized that it's important that we should have been planning 15 years ago. It's like, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. So it sounds like your general advice, which is a lot of the advice that we give to people is just set up a plan early, you know, start yeah. thinking about your finances as soon as you get out of school and coming up with a strategy, because we, we hear people all the time too, that they're making all this extra money, but they're just going on extra vacations and buying new cars and buying all this stuff. And they're not putting that money to use for them. Yeah. yeah. And also, like you said, um, <laughs> we, we do talk to people all the time about you travel for a few years and then you stop traveling. That is a major adjustment. And even if it's not your living paycheck to paycheck, like you said, um, even if it's just that you're used to saving, say, 4000 a month or 5000 a month, putting it into your investment accounts, like then taking a perm job where you make half that and you can only save now uh, 2000 a month, it feels bad. Yeah. So it's hard to move from being a traveler to being a permanent therapist. So you have to have a plan for when that happens. Yeah, and like I'll, I'll give you guys some uh, like a high level example where we talk a lot just from a planning standpoint. Okay, so we break down what you can do with your money into three categories, like your day-to-day -day money, money for future self and risk management, which is like insurances and stuff. So when you think about it, those are really the only three places you could put your money, okay? And for most new grads, they got about 60% going to day-to-day -day money, like with their day-to-day -day expenses and only about 20 to 30% going towards assets and, and debt, which is money for future self. And most people stay at that forever. That's why they can never retire. Like you're, you're supposed to switch those over time as you get pay raises. And that's like the number one thing you can be focusing on. And your goal is to get 50% of your money going to money for future self. Okay, that is like the ultimate goal. Because if you do that, your money will start growing exponentially for you, okay? So the problem that I see with like travelers is that you like you could put more than 50% of your income to that second category now like it's not uncommon that we used to see people making four or five thousand dollar a month payments towards their student loans to try to pay them off fast because of the stipend money and everything so you can already do that so that should be your number one financial planning goals is 50% of my income and my stipend going towards money for future self because what happens is let's just say you you do that you got you know 40 grand a year going towards towards money for future self let's just say you're saving that okay so that means after four years or five years of traveling you have two hundred thousand dollars well it's like well holy cow right now you can put that in a bank account and make almost five percent right so that's another 10 grand so if i stopped working and i'm in my staff pt making ninety thousand dollars plus i'm getting ten thousand dollars a year in interest coming in i can just keep reinvesting that yeah. right so now you're now you're starting to build stuff and debt works the same way if you're paying off debt instead that compounds also now because now I don't have to pay interest to my lender. And so that's one of the, the big things that we we're starting to talk to travelers about is your target. If you're trying to keep this simple, your target is to get 50% of your income going to that second goal, like that second category, money for future self. And I don't care what it is, saving, investing, like paying off debt. You just want 50% going there. So you can put yourself in a good situation after you're done traveling. Yeah. And honestly, as a traveler, 50% is not that difficult to do. And we, we tell people the same thing. Like, um, 
if you're making double what you would at a permanent job, then saving 50% of your income is not that hard, especially when a lot of it's not taxed. And I mean, uh, for Whitney and I, when we were traveling back to back contracts for the first three years, we were saving. I mean, there were some months I saved 85% or 90%. Like you can save a ton of money as a traveler. And uh, I think that, you know, the key is to not squander that extra money that you're making while traveling. Try to save as much of that as you can, either in investment accounts, savings accounts, paying down debt, just do something productive with that money, which um, you're exactly right. That uh, that bucket of money for future self that that covers all of those bases. Yep. Yep. So. So can you explain to us? Um, I haven't personally used a lot of your tools on Fitbucks because I'm fortunate to be engaged to someone who just loves to do this as a hobby. And so he's my unofficial financial advisor. But can you just explain, um, like, what are the options on your site, like at Fitbucks? Like, are there options on there where if somebody just wants to kind of like do use some of your free tools to like run some numbers themselves versus like another option where they could actually have someone do it for them versus another option where they could actually have like an ongoing relationship? Like, what do you guys offer? Yeah. So by the way, I was laughing because when you said like Jared made those Excel files back in 2015, that was, that was before we even started Fitbooks. Yeah. So there, if, there you had, if you had existed, he wouldn't have had to put in all that work, but he secretly loved it. Yeah. Exactly. That's why like when we first met, you were like, yeah, I put together all these Excel sheets and I was like, we have them online now. Yeah, that would have been nice. <laughs> um, so we used to have a free version where you can use some of the tools and whatnot. And what happened, we decided about a month and a half ago to change that just because so many people were just taking advantage of it. Like it was, it was just abusing it. And it was like, no, no, no. Like I don't ask for free PT. Like, right. well, I do but because my wife's a PT, but basically yeah. <laughs> pay in other ways. <laughs> um, no, and so we actually changed it where it's it's a monthly fee. It's $18.99. You can cancel whatever you want to. Um, but with that, you get access to every single technology that we have now. So like the full on financial planning technology I mentioned, where you can literally build out entire financial plans and then you can actually build multiple ones. So you can compare them side by side. Um, if you want to go more student loan citric, we have tools that are just only on student loans. If you want to go in and if you're like, you're buying a house, we have stuff like how much, how, uh, how should I, can I afford like no matter what that doesn't like matter, should I be renting or buying a house? We have, if you're going to buy a house, like how many mortgage points you should be paying to potentially get it down to lower interest rates. So you can analyze that and see what the trade-offs are there. Um, we have credit card refinancing stuff now on the platform. Um, how much of an emergency fund you should have based on like, for example, you're traveling, you might need more because of, you know, just blasts and policies. Like if 2020 happens again, you can't get a travel contract. Like, so we have all that technology on there now. And of course we, the big, big thing, I mentioned this earlier, we know that these decisions are big, they're financial decisions, right? So we have coaches too. So when you sign up, you're actually giving it a designated FitBus coach. So every time you call, you're literally talking to the same person. Um, and so instead of having to spend like $3,000 for a financial planner, you can use the technology and talk to the coach and the coach is experts in everything that is important to you at this age, like student loans and getting a retirement started and potentially buying houses. like that's what we specialize in. That's what we train, uh, train them on. So that's the technology. That's what's there right now. Like I said, it's a monthly fee right now. Um, you can cancel it if you want to, there's an annual special that's up right now. Um, you know, and so that's, yeah, that's what's, uh, that's what's up right now. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it used to be more my impression that like 
the majority of the software you did was just student loans, like just figuring out which student loan plan should I go on. But it sounds like you guys have a lot more now where you're you're just kind of coming up with like a whole financial plan. Like, what should I do about my student loans? What about this other debt? What about, you know, planning for buying a house, like all those other things? Oh, yeah. So that was always our vision was to expand it. It's just we started with student loans because we knew that was the number one problem that new grads had. And then we would have had more of this technology out earlier, but COVID really slowed us down a lot because all of our tools were only centered around student loans. So our revenue just fell off the cliff because <laughs> all the loans went on uh, for parents. So it took us longer to build out some of these other technologies. But like, yeah, the other one I didn't even bring up is like we rolled out an investment technology that analyzes your ability to take risk. And you can look at your 401ks and everything and we say, hey, like you're taking too much risk. You're not taking enough. We can explain to you what risk even is in an investment like what these target date funds are that they're shoving you in and your 401ks and all that type of stuff. So, um, and if you don't want to do the investment, we can even do that for you now. Like, and, and Jared knows this. I always, I, I wish everybody did their own investments, but I'm also a realist that a lot of people don't, you know, want to spend the time to try to become a financial expert. That's not why we went to school, right? Like you guys went to school to be PTs, like go be a PT. Um, and so we have the investment capability now too, where we actually manage people's like Roth IRAs and all that stuff too. So oh. it's all there. We're trying to make it all in one place. Next year uh, in 2024, we're actually thinking about, or we're hoping by 2024, we're actually going to be tying in banking onto the platform. Um, so you can have like a Fitbox savings account, credit cards, all that stuff. So everything's literally in one place. Dang. Um, and we already did it with student loans where you can make student loan payments from the platform. So you don't have to deal with the loan servicers. Like we just haven't rolled that piece of the technology out yet because loan servicers, you don't have to make payments right now. So, uh, but that's what we're, our, our long-term goal is to make it so that way you literally don't have to go anywhere else. It's just all right there. Wow. It's really nice to have that option because yeah, like you said, a lot of people don't want to do that. And, um, we, we we talk to people on the phone or we get messages a lot of times they they hear what we've done you'll appreciate this they hear what we've done and they say like oh well you must have invested in like something really cool and uh you know they think like options or all these things and i'm like we went to school to be therapists and you can make a really good salary as a therapist especially a traveler i think spending 20 30 hours a week of your time to try to outperform um, you know, what most funds can do just passively is kind of crazy because you could work PRN and you can make a lot of money PRN. You could do all these other things to make additional money instead of just like focusing all your time on like basically part-time investing that you're probably not going to do well with anyway. And, yep. uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy, but that's what people think of now is they're like, oh, you, you, you guys are in a really good financial position, financial independence, all that stuff. You must've invested in some really cool stuff. And it's, that's not the case. Well, so and having someone saying. that can do that for you is really nice. Well, that, that's why I was I was telling you guys about the goals to get 50% or more of your income to money for future self. Because so when I was building this technology, I was running simulation after simulation. I probably ran 100,000 different simulations. And what I found was that was the main thing. That was the differentiator is getting that much, you know, avoiding lifestyle creep where you just have your just expenses going out the door and putting that money to the money for future so and so when we even with like not a like not even a traveler so now we're going to talk about stipend i'm just talking about like a nine to five staff pt starting income of 78 grand with like a three percent earnings increase for the rest of their life when we model that out and we build these plans if you just do that sim simple stuff as, as the income goes up and you start adjusting it 
and you start putting more and more towards money for future self, every single model comes out between two and $4 million by the time you retire. And that doesn't matter if you got 50 grand in student loan debt. It doesn't matter if you got 400 grand in student loan debt. Like we could, we can show you the numbers of how to do that to get there. Um, and so that's why I'm excited about it. And that's why the APTA, you know, decided to partner with us. That's why some of the schools are going like, you know, going to start adding us into their curriculum because it's like, those are the things in the curriculum they want us to teach people is this is the key. Um, you know, it's not compounding by itself is not enough. You've got to do this extra step. Right. And, you know, I'll pick on him. Dave Ramsey just put out something the other day where it's like invest $100 today at 25. And by the time you're 65, it'll be worth $1.176 million. You don't have to retire broke. And it's like, well, sorry, Dave, in 40 years from now, $1.176 million is the equivalent of $326,000 today. You will be broke because you cannot retire on $326,000 today. So you got to have more than a million dollars 40 years from now. Yeah, that's a it's very ironic because we talk to a lot of new grads. And it seems like the people that are most focused on trying to like some, find some magic investment formula are the people that have the least money to invest when it doesn't make any sense to do that, right? Um, you know, early on in your career, it's all savings rate. Like the more you can save, the more uh, you can build up capital, then maybe, maybe later in life, think about that kind of stuff. But if you have 5,000 to invest, it doesn't make sense to do that. Just focus on increasing your savings rate, put more money away, and then think about it in the future. Well, they, they hear of all these get rich scheme things on the internet, which what a lot of people don't realize there's a difference between money management and investing money management. You're just trying to get a diversified portfolio and earn five to 10% per year, given levels of risk. Investing is a full-time job. And that's what I used to do. And I'll give you an example yeah. of, of a good friend of mine. I, I taught how to, I gave him the basis of what he needed to know for day trading. And he started doing it five years ago. And we, I have this saying, you, you get out what you put in. Okay. I mean, think about who you're going up against in the market and yeah. the training that they have. And so you think you're going to pay some, I'll pick on them, like PTs that are a PT and they read a book about option trading and, you know, they, they posted something on the internet and they don't even do option trading. They make most of their money off of coaching. And, and you think that you're going to do that and make money and, oh, now you're going to do crypto too. Like, oh, let me know that works out for you guys. You know, like my yeah. buddy, you know, it, it took him five years uh, and he lost his ass three years ago. Like he lost almost everything. It was a massive learning curve to him. And he took those learning lessons. And this last year he made over seven figures day trading. And it's like, it took him five years of knowledge and understanding and training from some very, very successful people to get there. Yeah. And probably spending 60, 60 to 80 hours a week on it and not having another full-time job. It's just, it's unrealistic to think that you're going to be a part-time uh, investor and, and really blow away the returns of the, just the regular stock market. Yeah. And you don't, and like I said, I, I used to do that stuff and you get bored too. Cause it's like, you know, you get really good at it. Like even now I can look at things like short that, buy that because because it got that knowledge. It never goes away. Right. So you could look at things, but it, it's like you said, Jared, it's not something you're going to do overnight. Um, and unless you really love investing, it's you're better off. In my opinion, you're better off starting like taking that time and actually starting your own business on something that, you know, and you're going to make way more money doing that than you are trying to 
invest in something that you don't know. That's what I always tell people. They're like, what should I invest in? I'm like, what business do you want to start? <laughs> yeah. Do that. Like, I mean, you guys have your business. I don't, you don't need to share your numbers or anything, but I'm sure you've made more money off of business stuff than an investment. Like, yeah. right. Like it, it, invest in yourself, like start that, you know, that's, it's better than these quick get rich, uh, get rich quick schemes. If you're going to do that, just go to Vegas. Yes, I agree. Well, Very good advice. I'm really glad to hear that the APTA is partnering with you guys and that you're going to more schools because I do feel like that's just not talked about enough. Like obviously in PT school and occupational therapy and speech therapy and nursing, it's like they have to just teach us our curriculum to become clinicians. But then you come out and you have money and you don't know what to do with it and you have debt and you don't know what to do with it. And a lot of people don't feel competent to figure out what to do with, like you said, their wealth management or their investments. Um, I know we do have some people that reach out to us, like, especially that find Jared's content and maybe they're like-minded, but that's probably only, I don't know, less than 10% of our audience Definitely. might be the type of person who's like-minded with Jared, who wants to be a DIY wealth management investor, all that. Like they want to put in the time and the effort to learn it and they feel pretty savvy. Maybe they were always pretty financially savvy, but I would say 90% or more of people in healthcare don't want to spend their time on that and would rather go to someone like you guys, it's an expert that can help them just be like, help me put my money where it can grow for me. And then I don't want to look at it yep. after that. Yeah. And we help them. And, and you know, those 10, 20% that do want to do it themselves. A lot of times, like we still have some of them and they don't necessarily use the, the technology. They call us because they want to just bounce things off and have a second opinion on things. And like, I just talked to somebody the other day because our investment technology will help you split up your allocations. And he was just like, I've, I've been driving myself crazy. Like, should I do 90% in the stock market, 80%, 70%? Like, I don't know. And I was like, 82%. He was like, how'd you know that? I'm like, I just, based on your profile, that's what our technology says, 82% <laughs> in the stock market. And it was like, oh. Well, that's what I was, was going to ask you is like, it sounds like maybe for some people, if they're, they are the more DIYers, but they want to use some of your technology, maybe it would be a good idea for them to create a profile for a few months until they get things going. And then maybe after a while, they're like, oh, I got it from here. I'm good. Mm -hmm. um, versus some other people that would want to be like, have that relationship ongoing and have the account um, and stay in it. Yeah. And it's open to everybody. Like I said, I, I wish everybody would do it themselves, but I, uh, yeah, I know 70%, 80% of the people out there, they don't. They don't want to and in my opinion that's why i started the company is like i said earlier you guys didn't go to school to to become financial experts you went to school for healthcare to help people and so it's like if we can develop a technology that reduces your stress and the time you think about money well then that gives you more time to either do your profession or be at home with like your kids or whatever it may be and actually doing stuff that you actually care about instead of stressing about money yeah. um so that's at the end of the day why we started the company was for those purposes because mm -hmm. um, I wanted to create something that was like energy or computers or something like that that like helped everybody and I, I was like I'm not that I'm an investment guy like I'm a finance person and then when we started putting these algorithms together I was like oh crap like this makes life a hell of a lot easier so that's why we decided to launch the company <laughs> yeah that makes a lot of sense and I think like a low monthly fee like that is a no brainer for a lot of people, because um, I mean, I, I think now 
when Whitney and I talk about like planning for this video or planning other videos we do, um, I'll start saying things. She's like, oh, you're talking way over people's heads. But it seems like it seems like common sense to me now, but I can remember like eight years ago, right before graduation, knowing nothing. I didn't, I didn't know anything about, I didn't know what a Roth IRA was. I didn't know what the difference between Roth and traditional were. So like, I know that there's a lot of people out there that just don't even want to go down that path of like learning all these things. And if you can just have someone help you out with that, it's really helpful. And uh, you know, like that's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of hours to really become proficient in all these things. So it's very nice to have someone that can just guide you. Yeah, one of the, the cool ones too. We don't have this out yet. We're testing it. Because obviously we we the one that's out there right now, you build out your plan, you can get a call with a coach and we walk you through it to help you make your choices. But we also deal with a lot of people that are just like, I don't even want to do that. I just want to click a button and be told what to do. So like the next version of the technology that we're rolling out, we're giving people the choice where they can literally like answer three or four additional questions on their profile. And it will literally tell them this is the repayment plan you should go on. This is if you should buy a house or not, when you should buy a house. Is it three years from now, six years from now? How much should you be targeting in terms of a purchase price? Like it literally breaks down what like dollar of their paycheck should be going each place. Um, so that's the one we're testing right now. I put that one on hold though, because we got so many other things that we're working on. Um, but that one's coming down the pike too. <laughs> that's good. Jared pointed at me because Probably if Jared and I weren't in a relationship and he hadn't taught me so much about finances and helped me so much, I probably would have been in that camp where I just wouldn't have even known where to start. And I really would have wanted someone to tell me what to do. Yep. So I know that there's probably a lot of clinicians out there that feel the same and finance just really isn't their thing. And they would rather have somebody they can trust to just be like, this is the best thing to do with your money. And then just not look at it anymore after that. Yeah. And that's why I'm stoked too about the schools coming to us. And when I say like in their curriculum, it's going to be in their curriculum. Like it's going to be a required credit to graduate. Really? Oh yeah. So we've had 15 schools come to us that have already said yes. And two of those schools have already agreed to the terms of, of doing it. Um, so we're hoping that we could take those 15 PT programs and basically expand it to all of them. Um, and so that's going to be, that's going to be exciting. Cause to me, it's like, you know, for years I got that pushback from, from programs like it's not our job to graduate or it's not our job to teach these kids about anything about finance it's our job to teach them to go past the mpte and now a lot of them are starting to realize like oh crap like the amount of loans they're dealing with and just the stock market and all this stuff and so yeah so uh, i'm excited for it so though that's awesome yep. uh, bringing some awareness like that is really invaluable and i know i've told you this before and whitney obviously knows but um I've always been pretty financially minded, but there was a time during PT school where I wasn't making any money. Um, I didn't really feel like I needed to even learn about any of that stuff for a while. But then we had one presentation from, from a professor that happened to be like a big Dave Ramsey guy that it was like a one hour presentation talking about compound interest and some stuff. And that completely changed the whole trajectory of my life because I was like, oh wait, let me start learning a little bit about this. And then from there I started writing about it. And from there, like, that became almost everything I did. So just sparking that interest in some people is going to be really beneficial. Yeah. And that's what, I, what I'm hoping, just some awareness to it. Because, you know, what I've found is that, especially with PTs, OTs, nurses, I mean, you're extremely smart, right? That's why you get into, into PT school. You're not getting into PT school if you're not intelligent. And so what I've seen a lot of times, especially with, with like healthcare people is that, 
society says you're smart. And so the ego doesn't want to admit you don't know something. So when it comes to money and they've never been taught any of it, they don't want to admit that they don't know anything about it. So they just bury their head in the sand and they just keep going down this, this bad path. Um, so that's why to your point, Jared, about, yeah, bringing some awareness to it and the different options you have and all this type of stuff. I'm looking forward to that. That's yeah. awesome. Well, we don't want to take up um, too much of your time. We definitely have already gone over an hour. Um, so if anybody who's watching live, if you have any questions, leave them in the comments. Um, if you happen to be watching later on the replay, you can also leave them in the comments on Facebook or feel free to message us with any questions. Um, we'd also love to let people know, Joe, um, how they can reach you after this. What's the best way to reach you? Uh, Fitbucks.com, how you sign up. Um... And then just on social media, Instagram's at Fitbucks Official, Facebook, our group is at Fitbucks Official. Most of the time when we're posting articles and new podcasts and stuff, um, that's where we're, we're posting them at. Um, so, you know, so go there and check them out. Subscribe to like the podcast and stuff. And uh, actually the one that's coming out next week, I, I hope a lot of people listen to it because it's actually a two-part podcast that I'm putting out about what is money. And I talk about this concept that all money is, is a reflection of past events. And I go into details of what that means. Like if you're basically from a high level, but your financial situation today reflects what you did five, 10, 15 years ago. So if you want to be in a different situation, <laughs> 10 or 15 years from now, guess what? Like you got to do something different, right? Cause if you keep doing the same thing, well, it's going to be reflective in your money situation in the future. So I go into details on that and I was contemplating putting it out or not. And I had talked about it at a workshop and a lot of people were like, you, can we dive deeper into this? I was like, yeah, I can put it in a podcast. So that's coming out, I think in probably two or three weeks. So. That's All right. Cool. We did have one question, but I think we already answered it. It was, uh, did you say if you decide, you have to decide which payment options prior to the pause. And, and we talked about that. That's only if you fit, well, so first, assess the options. If you don't know which plan you should be on, uh, contact a professional, contact Joe. Um, but if you want to be on pay as you earn, then you need to be on that before the pause ends. If you don't want to be on pay as you earn, then it's not going to be a big issue. Yeah. Yep. And that is um, that. And then Joe, I know you've also been doing some podcasts and stuff, just kind of like staying on top of what's happening with student loan pause. So will you continue to like, if any, if there's any new developments or anything, will you make a video or a podcast about that? Yeah, absolutely. We, we put out a weekly financial update um that centers on student loans home buying and the and the investment market or stock market um i try to put that out weekly but sometimes there's not enough news that really makes sense for me to, to put it out but when there is news we update that and get that out for everybody um especially on like the home buying side because what's going on in the markets right now one piece of advice that i had on that for you guys by the way is it's not what you qualify for, right? Because that's what banks will always give you a loan for. It's what you can afford. So there's a big difference between the two. Um, so like I said, that's one of our new technologies that we rolled out is telling you that. So, um, you know, just make sure that, that you're doing some good there. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question, any news that comes out, we do that weekly update. We put it up on our social media channels. Um, if you are a member, uh, so for example, like if you join the Fitbucks group on finance or on uh, Fitbook on uh, Facebook, 
you can say, I want to be part of the newsletter and you can just give us your email address. And so then we send out our monthly newsletter that has those updates as well. And if it's any big news on student loans, we send it out immediately. We don't wait for okay. the month. So those are the, uh, the different options. Okay. Awesome. Well, it doesn't look like anybody else has any other questions. Um, but again, if you guys have questions later, you can contact us, but definitely Joe and his team at Fitbucks are the experts. So we would highly recommend you visit fitbucks.com. Um, he's not paying us to say that. We seriously think they have really good tools there. Um, and Jared said before, wow, if he had those tools back in 2015, it would have saved us a lot of time. Um, so definitely check out the services that they offer, whether you just decide to go on it for a couple months just to like get a plan and then be done with it, or whether you have like an ongoing relationship, I definitely think they can help you. Um, I would absolutely recommend it. It's absolutely what I would be doing if we didn't already have like a good financial plan set up. And even still, we might still reach out for Joe, to Joe for some help um, as we, you know, evolve with our life plans and all that. Yeah, so we did have one question. Um, is there a free trial or anything like that anymore? I know there used to be, but you said like a month and a half ago, um, you got rid of that. Uh, what I really liked was the calculator comparing the different loan options. That's what I would go on there and just like put different numbers in to see what would change. Mm -hmm. um, is there any kind of free trial or anything? Oh, so, yeah, we do have a free trial. So when you sign up, we have a 14 day money back guarantee. So, okay. you know, that's if you guys sign up, you use it. It's like, oh, no, nah, we don't need this. Like, we don't ever give anybody a hard time. It's like, yeah, here's here's the money back. So we do have that, that 14 day free trial. Um, if you want to talk to a coach during that time and you just can't find something on our, our calendar that fits your time, just let us know. And after like 20 days, like if you like want the money back, yeah, we just say, yeah, here, like have the money back. So yeah, that's, that's available for you. So yes, we got rid of the free version, but we do have that 14 day trial still. Okay. Okay. Um, and then we just have one more question come in. Um, in terms of determining a plan and needing to decide if you want to do pay as you earn or not, if you're a new grad who graduates in May, and you do, would you still have to decide before the pause ends, or would you just have to decide before the six month grace period ends? You would have to decide before July first. Okay. Okay. So and that's yeah. that's only for the pay as you earn, but that's for any pay other as you earn. And I want to make one caveat to that. It's only for people mm -hmm. that took out a loan, any type of federal loan between 07 and 2014. So like if you took out your first loan in 2015, you can actually qualify for what's called new IBR. And it's the same thing as pay as you earn. Really? But people that graduated between 2007 and 2014, they can't go on new IBR they only have pay as you earn or repay. So those are their only choices. And so if you borrow between 2007 and 2014, you got to make that decision before July 1st. Okay. But so for somebody who's um, a traditional student, who's a new grad, who has only been in um, college or grad school in the last seven years, they might actually be able to qualify for this new plan. Yeah. Yeah. New IBR. Cause I was passed through Congress. They did some different things. So that's, a whole different plan. So it's just that time period, 2007, okay. 2014. And so for those new grads, do they need to worry about anything before July 1st or they just wait until their six month grace period ends and then figure it out after that? Wait till the six month grace period. By the way, guys, if you're a, a student still, um, we have a student version of the technology too. Um, okay. And it's actually cheaper. Like while you're in school, it's only $3.99. And if you actually call us, what we've been doing with students because of all this craziness with student loans, 
we've actually been giving you a free version, like a, a code to get it for free for six months. So that way you can graduate, get the plan set up and get these answers question because, or these questions answered because there's so many back and forth. So if you're a student, just reach out to us. If you're watching this, you can just reach out to me at joar at fitbucks.com is my, my email. And, you know, I can go on there and be like, yeah, here's a, here's a code, use this, come on and, and get situated. Okay. That's awesome. Well, that's awesome to have. Um, we'll put that in the comments. Joe, or is it this Jay Ranky at fitbucks.com? No, that's my, uh, that, that's my, my corporate one. My, my client one that I talked to with like fitbucks members is joe r at fitbucks.com joe r at fitbucks.com okay we'll type it in the comments yeah i wish uh, i just figured out the end that you can show these comments i wish i'd known that at the beginning but <laughs> it's pretty cool um so yeah i don't think there's any more questions uh, again if you guys could please like this video we always appreciate it um if you do have any questions in the future if you're watching this in the future watching on a pot or listening on the podcast feel free to send us messages or emails or contact joe um, Fitbucks has a ton of good resources. We really endorse it a lot. Um, not being paid to say that we really do think it's a, a good software. And, uh, I used the free version a ton back in the day. Um, like I said, the spreadsheet that I made back then, basically they've replaced the need to do that, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, and also if you want to read my thoughts about student loans or about finances, fifthwheelpt.com was the old website I used to write on all the time. I still write there sometimes but uh, not as much anymore. Yeah, so we'll link to that in the comments too. I know a lot of you guys know us from Travel Therapy Mentor where we strictly write about you know travel therapy kind of stuff, but on our blog at fifthwheelpt.com is where Jared's done a lot of stuff over the years just about personal finance, um, pursuing financial independence, student loan repayment, all those kinds of things, just if you want to read his perspective on it. Yep. All right. Well, thank you so much, Joe. We really appreciate it. This was extremely enlightening and helpful and hopefully the audience appreciated it too. Yeah, now that I know that it's this easy to, to do like an interview like this, maybe we'll have you back on when there's some changes with student loans and uh, talk about it then too. Yeah, student loans, real estate stuff all over the place, stock market stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm open to talk about all of it. So just let me know. Awesome. Awesome. All right, thanks again. Um, hope you guys all have a good night again. Click that like button if this was helpful and let us know. Yep, thanks guys. Take care. Thanks.